Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Begin reading at verse 7. It says, Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not, cease to, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Verse 9, And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that, that day and so, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Verse 11, And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below beth that word drove back means actually struck them down. And then verse 12, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Verse 12 said, And Samuel took a stone and he called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this subject or title pulled from this particular story. It's an Old Testament story. Many of you may be familiar with, but I want to talk to you just for a few moments from this particular story. And if you're taking notes this morning and you, you, you need a title, I'm going to call it Remember Ebenezer. Remember Ebenezer. Lord, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time and opportunity to come together in your house and worship. And God, we just commit and submit these next few moments to you. And we ask, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that you would speak to our hearts, that you would lead us and guide us with your word, that you would bring truth, insight, understanding, and revelation. Lord, I thank you for the transformation of your spirit and I thank you for the power of your word that is perfect, converting the soul. And I pray that is activated in here today. Anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, Father God, that we all will leave here, oh God, changed in some form or fashion. And for this, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in this text, in the story of 1 Samuel, um, we pick up at a, a, a pretty... Um, significant time in the life of the children of Israel. The Bible said they're, they're, on, they're in a situation where they're about to face another battle with the Philistines. If you know the history of it, the Philistines were one of the children's Israel, children of Israel's arch enemies, constant battles over and over. But according to this particular text, you have to understand that we go back several chapters to know that this was a, a, a war that had been kind of long and drawn out and had still been going. But it originated back, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 4, where the war actually begun. Well, the Bible said that the Philistines had set attack against the children of Israel. 
They went out and fought, and it, and it records that over 4,000 Israelis were killed, or the children of Israel were killed during this first war. They, were, they didn't understand. They understood that they were favored by God. They understood that they were covenant people of God. They understood that God was to be for, to be for them. But what happened in this particular situation that changed? What the children of Israel did not understand in that moment, that due to the spiritual decline of that nation, it was forfeiting God's protection over their lives. Due to them drawing back from the, the requirements of the covenant that they had made with God and walking in, obe in, walking in obedience to his word, it had caused the covering or the protection to be forfeited. And they didn't quite understand. It was like, what in the world is going on? This should never happen this way. We are the victorious ones. We are the triumphant ones. But why are we experiencing defeat? The scripture goes on to teach that the elders, the Bible said, of the children of Israel got together. And they said, I know exactly what we need to do. We went out and we tried to fight and our own ability, and it didn't happen. But I tell you what, let's go, and the King James Version used these words, let's go fetch the ark. And if we get it, it will help us. Now, many of you, you know, under the old covenant, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. It represented where God would come down between the two cherubims on the top of the Ark of the Mercy Seat. And it was a representation of him abiding and his presence being with his people. But the scripture said their mentality was, notice the wording, it said, they said, let's go fetch it that it might help us. And the Bible said they grab the Ark of the Covenant, they take it back into the camp. The entire camp of Israel began to rejoice, begin to shout, begin to praise God. The shout was so loud and it was so boisterous, the scripture said that the Philistines actually heard the shout that was in the camp of Israel. And the Bible said that after they had, the, the Ark had returned to the camp, they, they kind of got the mentality, now let's see what's going to happen. And the Bible said even the Philistines, knowing that the ark had returned, knowing the power that it carried, knowing what they had experienced in, in the past, they still set out to fight against the children of Israel. The Bible said this time when they entered into war, unfortunately, this war was worse than the last war. Where there were only 4,000 that were lost in the first war or the first battle. And this particular battle, 30,000 were lost. Isn't it quite interesting that without the Ark of the Covenant, 4,000 men were killed, but with the Ark of the Covenant, 30,000 were killed. The slaughter was greater with the Ark than it was without it. What's wrong with that picture? How could that be? It wasn't the Ark there. What didn't it represent the presence of God? What, didn't, it represent the did, didn't it not represent the power of God? Absolutely it did. But the problem was, was Israel's attitude toward the Ark. They wanted the benefits of what the ark could provide, but they didn't want the God who was in control of the ark. They wanted the magic that it could provide, but they didn't want the majesty of the almighty. In other words, I want it at my own convenience. I don't want to live according to the requirements or the covenants of, of how I'm supposed to live, but I want God to be like my plan B that I can pull him out when I want him to work on my behalf and when it's convenient for me. But any other time I want to live my life the way I want to live it, how I want to live it, and I don't want God to have any say so about it. It's kind of like crisis Christianity, if I could use that terminology. In other words, it's, it never amazes 
amazes me is how quick we can get a prayer life when something goes wrong. It never amazes me when tragedy comes and hardships hit our life is that we, we, you know, church is not really a priority. We can skip and we can miss, but when hardships come, then it's amazing how we now have perfect attendance in the house of God. But understand it shouldn't be that way. Crisis and hardships and struggles and adversities shouldn't be the only thing that drives us to a relationship with Jesus Christ. The very fact that he is who he is and and all that he's done for us should be enough that our hearts are set upon him, that we desire to draw closer to him, not for just what he can do for me, but because of who he is to me. In other words, I want him not for his hands, but I want him for his heart. I don't want him just for what he can do for me and what he can do by me, but I want him because who he is to me. And the Bible said this, that there was a greater slaughter with the Ark of the Covenant because of the heart attitude of the children of Israel. And the scripture said that the Philistines did something crazy that they should have never done. They tried to take the Ark into their own camp. And all it brought was death, devastation, and destruction. People are breaking out with boils and all types of diseases and things like that. And they said, we've got to get this thing out of here. And the scripture said they sent it back. They put it on a car. And it came, actually came back into where the children, the camp of the children of Israel. But they noticed something that was different. Even after it returned, they were still not experiencing the blessings. They were still not experiencing the benefits of what they know that it could provide. And the Bible said at that time, when we come to our text here, that Samuel, a man of God, a spiritual leader, a judge at the time, who God had ordained and called, had stepped into their lives. And the scripture said he went to them. He said, you know, I understand what you're going through and what you're facing. I know that you're longing for the presence of God and the blessings of God. But if you want all the benefits of that ark of the of God, then it's going to require you to change your lifestyle. He said, there's three things that you're going to have to do. Number one, he said in first Samuel chapter seven, verse three, you've got to return to the Lord. And then he said, remove foreign gods and idols from your life, but also renounce any self-sufficiency or dependency and begin to trust in the Lord to sum it all up. Let me just say this, repent and turn from your wrong ways. And the scripture says, that after crying out that they humbled themselves, they repented and they turned their hearts to the Lord. And after that, Samuel gathered all the children of Israel after that moment of repentance and they went to Mizpah, the scripture said. It was there where they would sacrifice. It was there where they would bring, they would um, offer up the offerings unto God as, as repentance offerings and turn their heart back to God. But notice something. The scripture said that while they were there worshiping God, while they were there offering their offerings to God. The Bible said that the Philistines heard that they had gathered at Mizpah and they began to set battle against them at the time of worship and offering. And that hit me because understand that notice out of all the times they could have attacked, they attacked 
when there was when God's people decided they were going to turn their hearts to him and begin to worship him and begin to praise him and begin to honor him. And I thought about this a little nugget before the fast that, you know, in, in next week, we're going to start a 21 day journey where we'll be offering up sacrifices to God and enter into a time of sacrifice. And as good as all the blessings that fasting brings, I can tell you what fasting also does. It attracts attacks when you're going through a season of fasting, because that's exactly what happened here. The Bible said as they were offering up worship, offering up praise during the time of sacrifice, that the enemy began to attack them. In other words, their praise and their worship attracted the attack of the enemy. No wonder uh, the enemy fights worship so bad. No wonder the enemy comes against praise so much. But, but what I want to show you what stuck out to me that simultaneously as they're offering praise and they're offering worship and they're sacrificing unto God, just as that, those acts attracted the attack of the enemy, it also simultaneously activated the power of God. Because the Bible said this, that when they begin to worship, the enemy started attacking, but the Bible said that God started acting. And I want to let you know, that's why it's important. I said it in the last service that when we have these amazing people up here leading us in worship and leading us in praise, it's more than just a song being sang. It's more than just beating on a drum and playing an instrument. It's more than just going through a set list of worship and music, but you have to understand there's a spiritual dynamic behind our praise and worship. When we're worshiping, we are attracting, we're getting the attention of hell and heaven. Uh-oh. We're getting the attention of the enemy, but we're also getting the attention of our advocate. And that's why you can't come in and just sit down like the frozen chosen with our arms crossed and sit down with our mouth closed as if God has not done anything for us. You need to understand Sometimes it's your praise, it's your worship, it's your prayers to God that activates the power of God that pushes back the attack of the enemy. Could it be that some of you are just one praise away from your breakthrough? You're just one worship away from your miracle. You're just one prayer away from your healing. I would never come into a service and just go through the routine of singing songs because I understand today just might be my day. This just might be my moment. This just might be my time. And so I'm going to offer up God my best praise. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Come into his gates with praise. Give thanks unto the Lord and bless his name. I don't know about you. I, if I were you, I would take a praise break right now. If you still got some things that need to be come on, broken through. If you still in need of a miracle, if you still need some things to turn around, why don't you offer up a praise right now? This could be the praise that catapults you into 2016 to a new level of favor, to a new level of blessing, to a new level of breakthrough. Come on, somebody offer up real praise for the Lord is great and he's greatly to be praised. The Bible said when they started praising and worshiping and sacrifice, it attracted the attack of the enemy, but it activated the power of God. And the Bible said when God's power was activated, I love this. He sent out a thunder. The scripture said, 
of course, that's not something that I've, I've missed thunder since I've moved to Southern California. I don't hear it a lot anymore. But there was, yeah, it does shake for real. I don't miss that shaking stuff, though. But it said a thunder went out that was so loud and so strong that it confused the camp of the enemy, the Bible said. And they turned on themselves. And the scripture said the Philistines, I mean, the scripture said the, Israel, the children of Israel went out and pushed them back and struck them down because of the confusion that was brought in the camp. Victory was won and the battle was turned. And the scripture said, and this is where I've been wanting to get, that Samuel did something, that great leader at that point in time. The Bible said as everyone else was rejoicing and celebrating about all that just took place and all that happened, the Bible said Samuel took a stone. I think they have a stone for me. I took a stone. Yes. A stone. Now, I don't know if that's the stone that Samuel had was quite this big. Because if so, he was a pretty strong dude. But he took a stone. Now, a stone as in a rock. Now, I know I have to, I have to clarify that. Not, get, not getting stone, but stone, you know, stone. But the Bible said, Samuel, he took a stone, the scripture said. And he set it down. After he had saw all that God did and the scripture said he took it and he called the stone Ebenezer. And he said, I'm setting this stone. I'm calling it Ebenezer. And he said, because the Lord has helped us thus far. Ebenezer means the stone of my help, the stone of the help. In other words, I know that you're rejoicing and I know that you're excited. He said, and because and, and, I can see the children of Israel. Think about it. You went through defeat after defeat, struggle after struggle. Now the table has turned and you got a victory. I, I, I believe a little sense of pride probably kicked in and said, oh, we got them now. The Lord's back on our side. Who's next in line? What battle can we face? But Samuel said, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you get so excited about the next. Before you get so excited about what's coming up in the future, I want us to take a moment right now and begin to thank God for what he's already done thus far. I want to put a stone here and I want to call it Ebenezer because I want you to always be reminded, watch this, that it is God that has helped us thus far. I know you saw how the battle went. I know you heard the loud boom. And I know the enemy ran before your face. But don't get too happy and don't take the credit. Because you have to understand the only reason why all of that happened or any of that took place is because the Lord has helped us thus far. And what I'm trying to get you to understand, Samuel understood that before I go on to the next, we always need to take time and remember what God has 
already done in our life up until this point. He understood I wouldn't be where I am today had not the Lord helped me thus far. I wouldn't have what I have if the Lord hadn't helped me thus far. I couldn't do what I'm doing now if the Lord has not helped me thus far. And I know that we're on the brink of a new year. I know that we're just a few days away from 2016. But I wonder if there's about 20 of you this morning could just take a pause this morning and set some Ebenezer said, wait a minute, I want to take a praise break because I'm going to look back over 2015. I've got some Ebenezer's that I need to thank God for. I got to look back over my life. There's some things that he helped me with. There's some situations that he brought me through. There's some circumstances that he took me out of. I wouldn't be where I am today had it not been for the stone that have brought me thus far. The beautiful thing about it, they were now, watch this, they were now experience, experiencing victory in the same place they once were experiencing defeat. Because they were in the same location, but with a different outcome. And some of you, you can't afford not to praise God. Because right now on this Sunday, you're experiencing victory in a place you used to experience defeat. Oh, I, I guess I got to get real with you. Today, you're free, but six months ago, you were bound. Today, you're healed, but last year, you were sick. Let me just come on to, to where you're living. There's some marriages here right now that you're doing really good right now, and things have turned around, but I tell you, back in February, it looked like it wasn't going to make it. Back in February, it looked like it was going to fall apart, but the reason why you're praising God today, the reason why you should open up your mouth, because you really I'm experiencing victory here and but not defeat over there because the Lord has helped me thus far. He helped me get my attitude together. He helped me get my mind right. He helped me to humble myself. He helped me to bite my tongue when I talk too much. He helped me to be kind when I used to be nasty. He helped me to speak when I didn't want to talk to anybody. He helped me. Oh Lord, I wish I had four people that would tell the truth. I say it for me. I'm not where I, oh God, I'm not where I used to be six months ago. God has did a work in my life and I'm glad that I can declare not what Javon did, not what Shanna did, not what Sydney or Jacob did, not what Free Chapel did, but look what the Lord has done. Ebenezer, he's helped me thus far. He's been my help. He's been my constant help. My continual help. The Bible says this. It was Ebenezer. It meant, watch this, the stone. See, we often say, and I even said it, we often say the stone of help. But in its literal translation, it is, it is the stone of the help. The stone of the help. Now that's different between when you say stone of help. But it's the stone of the help. Or let me say it like this. Or the help of the stone. Somebody's like, what is he talking about? 
the stone of the help versus the versus just the stone of help. It's the help of the stone. Well, what actually Samuel is showing us is typology in the scripture. Because stone, there's someone else that has that was referred to in the Bible as the stone. He's known as the precious stone. He's uh oh, he's known as the tried stone. He's known as the chosen stone. He's known as the chief and head and cornerstone. Well, let me let me let, let me switch it up. He's known as the rock of ages. He's the stone of Israel. The old timers used to say Jesus is a rock in a weary land. What I'm trying to tell you is what Samuel was saying. Don't get caught up in just this physical earth here. Because what this represents is, is, is not just this physical rock, but it represents our spiritual king. I realized that it wasn't this rock here that helped us. It's what this rock represents. And this stone represents my Jesus. This stone represents the Prince of Peace. And Jesus is my true help. He's the true source of help. Let me just tell you right now, so many people, there's so many self-help things, self-help classes, self-help this, help that, help this, everywhere, help, help. Can I tell you that the only real true help, I believe, is the help that can be found in Jesus Christ. Listen, you won't find the help that you're looking for in a bar. You won't find the help that you're looking for in another bottle. You won't find the help that you're looking for in another relationship. You won't find it in money. You won't find it in success. You won't find it in position. You won't find it in prestige. You won't find it in nowhere but in Jesus Christ. There's a built-in void that he can only fill. How do you know? Because I've been in that place before. I've been in that place where I needed help. I needed help. I looked for help when I was addicted. I looked for help when I was an addict. I looked to people. I looked to places and I looked to things. So, but it was only when I got down on my knees at an altar, the Bible said I will look unto the hills from which come my help. My help comes from the Lord. I'm thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for lawyers. I'm thankful for psychologists. I'm married to one. But when it's all said and done, I didn't need secular humanism. What I need was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and his name was Jesus. He was the rock that set me free. He was the stone that made me whole. He is the one that broke the chains, lifted the burden, and set me free who was bound and captive. Give him praise for the stone. Ebenezer, he's the stone of the help and the help of the stone. A stone because a stone represents stability. He will never change. He will always be what he was. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no variable in this. There's no shadow. People will change on you. Oh, I can't get no real. Live long enough. People will change on you. The weather changes. This world is filled with changes. And in the world, the old saying is the only thing constant is change. 
But when you're dealing in a situation that there's constant change, you need to have something that's constant, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Ebenezer, and he said, the Lord has helped us thus far. Three perspectives. He's saying he's helped us all throughout history. He's helped us in our past, but he's also mean he's helped us in our present. And because he's helped us in our past and he's helping us in our present. Some of you may say, well, Javon, you, you, you know what? That, that's good. But you don't know what kind of year that I've had. I, I don't feel like I'll have any, any help right now. 2015 was tough for me. 2015 was a struggle. It was hard. It's tough. And I didn't feel like I had any help. Matter of fact, I felt alone. I felt abandoned. I felt all by myself. Didn't seem like no one was around to help. Friend, if you are a blood-bought, born-again believer, if you are a child of the Most High God, you are never alone. You are never by yourself. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Hear me when I tell you this this morning. He's helping you. You're in present victory right now, and you don't even know it. Well, I don't know. You don't know what I, I left. Matter of fact, some of you are saying you don't even know what I left from this morning to come to church. I left a mess. I left a horrible situation. Matter of fact, this was my only opportunity to get an out. You're still in victory if you're in Jesus. How can you say that? Listen, victory is not always determined by your material position. It's determined by your spiritual position. Listen, triumph is not determined by dollar signs. See, you have to understand that we're not walking to victory. We're walking from victory. See, the stone already paid the price on Calvary's cross. And even this morning, no matter how hard and tough it is, you're standing in victory. Because you are alive this morning. You can breathe this morning. You're in this service this morning. And the very fact that you are still alive and remaining here on this last Sunday of 2015 is an indication that God is not done with you yet. Your life is not over. Your life is not finished. You're not at the end of the road. You are just, listen, you're just primed for a miracle. This thing of stones. Huh. And I got to hurry. It wasn't something new that was done. It was done many times throughout scripture. The Bible said that even, even Jacob, he took a stone and he anointed it with oil and, and he called it Bethel. 
He says, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He erected a stone after having a dream. And the Bible said he saw the angels of the Lord ascending and descending upon a ladder. And God was at the top of the ladder. He said, I, I, had, to erect, I, had, to, I had to erect a stone because it reminded me of the time that I had an open heaven with God. The Bible said, Joshua, when they crossed over the Jordan at flood time, a river that could normally not normally be crossed over at flood time. In other words, an impossible situation. A seemingly circumstance that I can't get around, I can't get over, and I really can't go through. But the Bible said that when they took the ark and the priest bared the ark of the covenant and they stepped into the middle of the Jordan at flood time, that the, the waters parted. And they walked over into their promised land. Ooh, they had a promised land, but we have a land of promises. Praise God. But the Bible said, Joshua said, hold on. He went back and he took 12 stones and he put them in the middle. And he said, this is for a memorial because we can never forget. This is where God calls us to cross over into the plan, into the promises that he had for our life. But why? Why was that so unique in the Bible? Because the stones were always to remind us to be memorials that it's the Lord that has helped us. To remind us it is God that has been with us. And I want to say this. The reason why we have to have memorials and reminders because we have a tendency to forget. I want to give you this. Because we have to remember that God is faithful. God is good. And I thought about this one of my favorite passages of scriptures. Why do we need the stones? To remind us of the, of the, of the benefits and the blessings of his faithfulness. I want to remind you this morning before I close. Here's an Ebenezer for you. A reminder of God's, what I want to call God's benefits package. We always talk about benefits package. It says this in Psalms 103. Listen to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Everything about me, I want to bless his name. But notice what it says. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all. I don't want you for, to forget. We sang, I won't forget. I don't want you to forget all his benefits. What are his benefits? Are you ready? Here it is. Better than any benefits package any job could ever offer. He says this, who forgives all of our iniquities. I love that because it's twofold. Notice, forgives all our iniquities. It forgives with an S, not forgive. That means one time. I'm thankful that he forgives. <laughs> See, you know why they're shouting? 
because they, they can appreciate that forgiveness. I don't know about you. If he only forgave once, I wouldn't be standing here. But I don't always do the right thing. I have a tendency to miss the mark every now and then. I'm sorry. A preacher ain't supposed to say that. I'm telling you the truth, Jimmy. I'm a real dude and a real man. And I'm thankful that he forgives because there's times that I have to fall on my face and say, Lord, I messed up. Lord, I was wrong. Lord, I didn't say that the right way. Lord, I can't let that be in my heart. Forgive me. But not, Marie, notice he said not just forgives, but he said, here's what I like, all your iniquities. Because this forgiveness is all inclusive. All of your mess. All of your dysfunctions. All of your mess ups and mistakes. I'm glad to know that there is no stain of sin that the blood of Jesus cannot remove from our life. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how you've messed up. I'm so tired of people trying to devalue the blood of Jesus. I don't care if you're a murderer or a killer. I don't care if you're a rank sinner. If you fall on your face and humble yourself with true repentance and sincere faith, he will forgive you. Who heals. Here's another benefit, and I'm, I'm getting there. The Bible said he heals all, heals all of our diseases. Heals us. I wonder if there's any Ebenezer's of healing in here in this service. Come on, raise your hand right now. Let, 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 don't be ashamed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.